Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Or any of you out there, God has been doing some really cool things in our midst. And some of you may be aware of some of the things that are happening in some of the life groups in different areas, but some of you may not know that. And so um, I'm going to ask you, as I shared just a, a little bit here in the beginning, if you feel like um, the Holy Spirit is kind of nudging your heart and that you would like to come up and share a testimony, then we would love to hear that. I know I've spoken to a few of you out there and really excited to hear what God might say to us through you. Um, but I just wanted to um, start off with, with saying this. I know Eddie's scripture this morning was going to be in Philippians about not complaining. A lot of us I know are really good about, you know, being unthankful. And in this season of Thanksgiving and when we're doing a series on thankfulness, we want to um, make sure that we have thankful hearts. And we're really good about complaining and being unthankful. Um, and I'm sure many of you have heard me say this uh, countless times before, but I'll just set the stage with this. Um, coming out of the season that we've been in for the last seven years of really hard stuff, I think I the message that I heard that changed my whole perspective was um, a woman named Sarah Jakes Roberts um, did a message on the wilderness, and she talked about Revelation 12 and how in the midst of the wilderness, after she birthed the promise that God had given her, that there was a place prepared for her in the wilderness where she could go and be nourished for 12 days. And so just this idea of there being a place where God would grow you in the hard, right? That it's not just hard for hard's sake, but that God is shaping us there. That he's, you know, Psalm 42 says, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. And there is a shaking that happening that happens there. And there's a shaping that happens there. And he uses the things that we go through to kind of hone us and chisel us and get us to a place where he can use us to glorify him in greater ways. And I believe we've seen that. And we so we talk a lot around here about finding the sweet spots in the hard spots. You know, Psalm 81, 16 says, with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. So finding the sweet that comes from those really hard things. And so I know that several of us have been through kind of some difficult things lately. And so I wonder if any of you might want to come up and share how God has been really sweet to you during those hard wilderness moments. And then at the end, after we share a little bit, then um, I have a, a sweet friend who's here um, with me, and uh, she's going to come up and share what God's put on her heart, which we're super excited about. So open mic. Anyone? Trisha, you want to come up? Now, remind, I just want to keep everybody right. We're going to stay on a schedule because we could all get up here and talk about the faithfulness of God all day long. So let's, like, um, give everybody opportunity. Hi, cute mama. Hi. So some of you know that um, I took an entrepreneurial route. So I used to be gainfully employed, and but I've always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit since I was a kid. So the company I was working at got bought and sold. It seemed like a great time to start what I wanted to do, which was create a skincare brand. And that did, it's doing, you know, well. People are buying it. I have repeat customers. I've had one return in whole five years of business, which is unheard of. But 
not even halfway through that, I finally came up with my invention for a hair detangler. And just bent on getting that thing made, injection molded, and finally just got my second patent on it. And all this sounds great, but I've risked my house, I've risked my income, I've risked a lot of things. And through all that, I started, like, maybe I need to get a job. So I started looking, and then when you become self-employed, you're not as employable. They're like, oh, you have your own stuff. So it's amazing how the bills keep getting paid. I have a mortgage, and it's just me. <clears throat> but I still tithe. And sometimes it's not as much as I would like to give, but it is what I can give. And I call them my little Sunday orders because I'll put a certain amount in, and then I'll later on check my phone after we get out of church, and I'll see there was an order. I'm like, that was like 10% of what I just gave. And so it kind of keeps happening. But there was one Sunday where I'm like, okay, this mortgage is due. Like every month now, I'm like, I don't know how I'm doing any of this. So I'm still trying to market my products. And so they don't tell you this when you're reading your news feed and Google about how the guy that built a business in his mom's garage and a week later sold it for a billion dollars. So it's not how it goes. So I would like to see other articles because it's very defeating. As you get to the point of where you get everything made and you're like, oh, I got to market this. Social media is not everything they tell you it is. It still takes money. It takes a lot of things to market your business. So there's one Sunday, and I had put a certain amount in, and uh, I was still here putting chairs away. Ramona remembers this, and she came over to me, and she's like, did you mean to put that in? And I looked down, and I'm like, no, I did not mean to put that in. I thought I grabbed one bill, and it was another bill. And then I thought about it, and I said, um, I said, you know what? I'm just going to leave it in, and I'm going to trust God. So mortgage was due that Tuesday, and like I had to make that payment. And so I got home that night, that day, and I'm just kind of still trying to have faith, but I'm freaking out. So there's that, you know, that faith cry when you're freaking out, and then you're having faith, and then it's just you still, because you want to know the answer. So later on that day, I talked to a friend. It was on my heart to reach out to her. She's a nurse, and she always takes Sundays and Mondays off. And by the time I remember to call her, it's midweek, and I really won't be able to speak to her. But that day, I'm like, i got to call her, Cynthia. So I was speaking with her and uh, just telling her everything that's going on in my life. And she was telling me everything going on in her life. And she was facing a big uh, thing that was happening in um, just the medical industry. She was just accusation coming. And she's one of the best nurses you could ever meet. So I was just telling her what's happening. And I told her about my situation. She goes, how much? And I just like, well, I told her the amount. She's like, done. I'm like, what? My call was just to check on her that day. Um, it was the amount I needed, the exact amount. And so it was that day when Ramona asked me, do you mean to put that in? And I said, no, nope, I'm going to trust God. We'll see what he's got. And everything was taken care of. Well, now I have to pay her back, but everything was taken care of, and I trusted on faith and just to see what God had for me. But this isn't the only time, and I won't get into all the others, but it, it's either I'm getting from crisis to crisis or I'm getting from faith moment to faith moment. And I think there's just a fine line between both. But... It's true, you can never outgive God. And what little I give or as much as I can give, there's always these little Sunday orders that come in for my products or a blessing comes somewhere and I'm able to pay what I needed to pay. And like Chris said, it doesn't mean you're not going to be out of the forest. Like I'm really getting shaped right now, like a fine little hedge. But, um, but there's still so much blessing in it. And I'm still so thankful and so grateful every night. So just uh, have so many more stories, but um, I'll end here. <laughs> I love it. I love this is for, see what God did. She's been wanting to testify about that for a long time. It's been really cool. So I love that. Um, anybody else before I start calling on you? Oh, yay. Come on. 
Come on, Big Mike. Hi, good morning. Um, I don't know if some of you know, uh, but I recently came back from a trip uh, from Ohio, and uh, my story is I am a recovering heroin and crystal meth addict. And uh, at the time, I was 313 pounds, and I don't know what it was that day on April 25th, um, but something inside me uh, said, you know, I have a calling. I need to wake up. I need to change my life around. And I decided in that moment that I was going to come back and play professional hockey at age 46 slash 47. <laughs> that morning, I remember I went to, and I told my therapist this, hoping, you know, in the state of mind I was, that she was going to talk me out of it. And she said, go for it. And I was like, okay. And I went home and I talked to my wife. And I said, I'm going to be a professional hockey player again. And she said, go for it. And I'm like, Okay, now I really have to do this now. So the last 18 months or so, I've been, you know, working out like a madman um, for two reasons. Part of the reason is to show that no matter what, where you are in life, no matter how bad things are, you can accomplish your goals. And I did. I went and played professional hockey. It was at the lowest level possible. But I went and played, got into a fight, competed, uh, and in that process, I was able to raise 17, I dedicated the game to playing for the um, Family and Child Abuse Prevention Center in Toledo, Ohio, which is where I used to play hockey. And I have a name there, so I dedicated that game to them, and I raised $1,700. Also that day, um, a news uh, channel got a hold of me, and I told my story. Uh, so my story is going to be uh, on the news in Toledo. So. My story is this, no matter what physical condition or what addiction you have, you can turn your life around, you can make miracles happen. And once you tell your story and you'll feel a huge release. Um, like I said, I was five, I was molested repeatedly by a neighbor and it wasn't my fault. And I can honestly say it affected me, uh, but it doesn't affect me anymore like it used to. So. That's my story. Thank you. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love that. Remember, I don't know if you remember when John uh, stood up here a couple weeks ago and talked about how um, we have been to a few uh, AA meetings lately. We've been to a few Al-Anon meetings lately to support friends and stuff. And he always says that's the best church service he's ever been to because... Um, there is a realness and a rawness about someone who's who's lived a life like that. And I know it, it took you a long time to get to that point. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And that's what God does, right? Like we talk all the time about how we don't fight thoughts with thoughts, but we fight thoughts with words. Because when we fight thoughts with thoughts, the enemy can come and get in there and twist our thoughts um, different from what the truth is. And uh, ultimately what we fight with is the word, right? The word of God, because God is the one who, who makes those miracles happen and shapes all those. And so super excited. Anybody else like to share? Yeah, Chris, come on. Yeah. Yay. I love this. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Chris. So I've known Chris and John for many years. Um, I used to work in Irvine uh, making video games, of all things. Um, I did that for about 23 years. Um, so John was always trying to push me, hey, you're a Christian dude. It's a pretty cool gig. 
get out there and, and speak. Uh, you know, maybe it'll zap some youngsters or, you know, kind of kids coming up playing games. Um, and it, it's kind of funny. We, we've done this a couple times where I get up and speak and kind of tell my story. And um, it's kind of a weird one. People go like, all right, dude, it sounds like you're doing pretty well. Um, go Jesus. But like, what's the, what's the hook? We've all been through rough stuff and God's gotten me through, you know, <laughs> any number of things in my life. But I struggled with like, gosh, what is my story? What, what is it? What really comes out of it? Um, and around the time that we kind of had these discussions many years ago, yeah, kind of struggling at work. Um, but I don't think, you know, my identity at the time was totally wrapped up in that job, um, in that gig, in the culture of, that, of the company I worked for. You know, it took us all around the world and, you know, across cultures, across, you know, um, you know, stratas of people, you know, China, Korea, you know, all these, you know, wild countries where, you know, I don't know, at some level people thought this is all very cool. And I guess you kind of get wrapped up in it and like, wow, I guess life's really good. I'm good. I'm solid. I've got God, you know, married in the church. And um, I thought it was all really good. So sorry, I'm babbling. But the core theme of my story, I wasn't clear until um, it was about four years ago. Um, I wound up having <laughs> like a nervous breakdown, right? It was so fast, the pace of work, the pace of life, um, and just trying to perform and, and do a good job for all these people and keep this giant, you know, kind of business thing going. I had kind of lost myself, Christian or otherwise. You know, I was so wrapped up in um, kind of that life that I look back and see that I couldn't have jumped off the bus of this wild careening thing. Um, I had to be, you know, hit by a branch at 80 miles an hour and tossed off the bus. And I look back and see that that was, that was the hand of God, you know, kind of. Um, I'm since kind of, um, I guess right now I would say I'm kind of in a pocket of retirement. I'm sure that I'll have to work again at some point. Um, but we're in a quiet phase of life. And I know that God did this um, to get me out of that space and to remind me that that's not your identity, kid. You know, I give people all sorts of weird things to do in life. Um, but you're my son. That's your identity. Um, and after all these years of even being a Christian guy, like I, I finally see what that story is supposed to be. And it's, it's not about um, nothing to do with that job or video games or whatever. It's, it's remembering that he can take you to the top of the roof. He can take you to the lowest of the lowest. But we are always, always his child. We are you know, always in his hand. Um, and I, I just appreciate that he gave me that uh, this <laughs> really rough pocket of time to take me back to that truth. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, and I'm glad he was there to, you know, keep me uh, whole as a result. So. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, share something too that Chris would never say, sorry. Um, but the cool thing about what God does is when he says your identity isn't in this thing that you do or how much money that you make, but your identity is in me is because he uses our stories to affect somebody else's story. Right. And Chris and Kat would never tell you this, but if you guys remember Juan and Casey and how long they struggled to have a baby and now they have sweet Aiden. They have sweet Aiden because Chris and Kat stepped in and really heard from the Lord to help financially invest into that. And so a lot of us get to see fruit, and some of us don't ever see fruit, but when your fruit looks like a baby, that's pretty cool. 
So God had done something really miraculous for them. And so they turned around and once they knew their identity, took that seed and planted it somewhere else so that somebody else could taste that fruit. And that's super cool. So I love your story and that story is so cool too. So anybody else? Josh, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> Look how I'll call you out there. Uh, my name is Josh Harmony. Um, got three crazy boys out there somewhere, and my wife Jenna as well. Hi. <laughs> um, we moved back from Costa Mesa. I, I started off as a professional skateboarder um, years ago when I was 17, graduated high school early and started traveling to do that. And um, shortly after that, I had an encounter with God um, after smoking weed with some friends at a party that somebody put cocaine in. And it spun me out like crazy. Like, I thought I was going to die. It was like the longest night of my life. Like, I felt like I was being attacked by demonic stuff all around me. And so the next morning, I woke up. I, I drove to my parents' house, and I said, I got to get right with God. Like, something's not right with me. I feel like I'm, you know, in a dangerous place. And my dad just said, you know what to do? Just ask Jesus to forgive you. And, and that wasn't enough for me, so I said, we baptized me in the pool in the backyard. So he baptized me in the pool with my brothers there and stuff. And, and uh, that was kind of a, a huge change and shift in my, my life um, at that point, being so young. I was about 19, um, almost 20, and traveling the world, skating and stuff. So at that point, I had opportunities and stuff to share my faith. And, and in some ways, I think it was a blessing. And in other ways, it was like kind of hurtful to my career at some point. You know, because people don't want to hear that. They want to, you know, but I've had the privilege of, of sharing about our Lord in, in some weird places and skating and, and stuff. And <clears throat> so my wife and I, during my whole thing of, of skating, I was making pretty decent money at the time. We bought a house up in Long Beach, and we had that uh, from 2006. And then the economy crashed in 2008. So then I had this huge mortgage and wasn't getting paid as much. And I hung on the entire time, though. Like, for almost 12 years, we had that place. And uh, through that time, I started to develop um, arthritis in my hips. And so I had to have, I had a fake hips, uh, I have a fake hip in my right hip. And uh, through the result of that, and uh, <clears throat> so I started playing music. I tried to make, you know, I tried to you know, really gravitate towards something that, that was going to be life-giving in my life and something I felt naturally drawn to. And, and so God kind of opened this door in this career with music for a little while for me, and, and uh, somehow we survived that whole time. And when the economy kind of came back up and our house was worth it, what it was again, um, my skateboarding career, I was starting to get older, and it wasn't paying me as much as it did in the past. And and uh, I simultaneously got a job offer, like literally the day after I got a pay cut from one of my sponsors, I got a job offer um, in a marketing position in uh, Minneapolis. And having our kids and the mortgage and everything just being so expensive and everything, I had no other choice but to take this job. So I took this job out of Minneapolis and moved my family out there. And through that process, I was super isolated, had no like real true network of, of believers and friends. And I have a, my older brother's like an apologetics major and, you know, I could explain away why our faith is, 
you know, the, all day long. But when you, when you hit the spiritual battles of isolation, it can, be, it can be really scary. So I just encourage you guys to stay near um, people that can help foster your faith. My dad always taught me that there's three things that help our faith stand. One is prayer. The other one's time in the word. And the other one's fellowship with other believers. It's almost like a table that keeps it sturdy. And when we moved out there for that job for financial reasons, for fear reasons, you know, I could have stayed in California and maybe taken some loans and tried to make it work, but I just wasn't in the place to do that at the time. And when I was living there, I had more money than I really ever had in savings. I was, I was doing pretty well, and, and we had this cool little house, but spiritually I was not well at all. Um, I really started to feel the negativity of life and, like, really feel um, just kind of like getting your butt kicked, you know? And some of the, the problems that I've had, like, with believing as a youth were, like, the problem of evil. Why is God, you know, how, if, if God's so good, then why is there sex trafficking and things like that? And I got into a place where I start, sort of started to feel resentful toward God, which isn't a healthy place to be. But I, I, uh, I started really listening to lies around, like, from people that were around me, and I had friends that were, like, into tarot cards and, like, astrology and stuff, and, and uh, I would have, like, my, I'd have all these things read for me and stuff, and, and I think I started opening a door uh, in the spirit and to, to the enemy, and uh, I really started to, I started to hear voices, like, telling me that I was a loser and that, you know, all these things, and it was so, it was so hectic, and uh, it was really just, demonic stuff that I'd let into my life. And um, so fast forward like three years of living there, it got to the point where um, it was so hard to live there that I didn't care. I was like, I'm selling my house. I'm moving back to California where I know people. And I, you know what I mean? This was, this was a mistake. And my faith is shipwrecked right now. And it was just so out of control. And so we moved. And I had the intention of of moving back to Costa Mesa, my wife was reading her Bible. She was doing really well. Or, I mean, she was struggling, obviously, with me going through this, you know, crisis of faith. But she really felt strongly that Costa Mesa was the place. Um, in her Bible, it was, like, it was like an old Calvary Bible or something, and, like, light shone on Costa Mesa. So she was like, let's do it. We'll go back. And, and so we took this huge leap of faith, put all of our stuff in, a, in a, um, one of those pods, which is nerve-wracking to begin with, and then moved out here, and we stopped at my parents' house. They moved from California to Las Vegas, so we left our stuff there, and all of our stuff's in this pod, left our kids there. Jen and I come over here, and we exhaust in four days every possible place to rent in the area, like, done. And so we were going to go back to Vegas and stay with my parents, just, like, feeling homeless and, like, scared and not knowing what to do, and we kind of gave up on the last day, and we were driving around, and we came across this for rent sign, and it wasn't on the internet, so I pulled up, and, and I started dialing on the phone, and this lady pulls up, and she goes, are you calling the number on the for rent sign? And I go, yeah, and she goes, that's my place. I'll show it to you right now, and so she takes us in there. We, we look at it, and then we start kind of sharing stories, and then she knew a mutual friend of mine, and she's like, I really... I feel like you guys are supposed to have this place. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take the the ads down, 
And so I was like, oh, my gosh. And for the first time in three years, I felt the Holy Spirit. And I was like, whoa, like that familiar feeling. And, and, and I heard this voice say, I find your dwelling place and not you. And um, since then, like, it's been crazy how God has been opening doors. Like, I, I had this... I went on this trip to New Zealand and had this lady pray for me, and she could see when I was there, I w- it was like a Christian thing, and I went, and I told them, I'm not doing well in my faith, but they were my friends, and they loved me, and they wanted me to go out there and, and just be with them. So I didn't share anything, but this old lady saw me, and she was like, There's, I can see demonic oppression in your life, and she prayed for me. And in my heart, I was just like, none of this is, none of this is real. It's all just, you know what I mean? I had just pushed it so far away from, like, actually processing it. And she prayed for me, and just, it broke through. And I just found this freedom. And this is all while we were living in this new place, and I'm questioning my faith and everything. And, and I came back with this, just this renewed appreciation for God and his forgiveness and his grace you know, the, the Bible says that he who forgives much, lo- or he who's forgiven much loves much. And, and since we've moved here, like, he's done crazy things. Like, I saw Grant and his girlfriend driving to the beach, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was, like, really strong when I saw him. And so I prayed for him. We ended up talking on Instagram later, and he invited me to know Swell Club, which is what Jeremiah helps lead, like, this, you know, these kids, and they pray, and and we go through the word, and it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be a part of. And, and he invited us to this church, and you know how they pray in the beginning for the, for the churches in the area. They prayed for the church we were going to, and it's just all these crazy things. And uh, <laughs> I won't go on and on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I love, thank you so much. So, Josh, you're like sweating. I feel so bad. Josh has been such an answered prayer, and I know Jeremiah could get up here and, and just echo all the same things. This is what we love so much, is that this is how God is moving with these young kids, with these surfers, with these skaters. Like, we're seeing practical ways that God's building the kingdom in our communities, and it is so cool. And I love that when you share your story, God's not moved off the throne by any of those things, right? Those things just become layers around us that help build the richness and the depth of who he's calling us to be and who he's called you guys to be. And I love that so much. No. Oh, no, that was amazing. You could go on. I love it. No, it's so good. Okay, so. Okay, yeah, sorry, you guys. I'm embarrassed. I'm going to, like, toss and turn tonight thinking about how I sweated up here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So I applied for a job at Vans, and it took, like, two months getting through over there. And uh, we didn't know if I was going to get it. There was tons of people that went for the same position and stuff. And and, uh, I... My wife and I, it was my wife's birthday, and we drove down to Laguna just to get some lunch. And uh, we, Archie fell asleep on the way down, our youngest. And so we went to the top of the world up there in Laguna, and we're just sitting there listening to worship music. My nerves were shot. You know, like, my bank account's, like, going fast, and I'm, I'm father of three, and it's just insane. So, <laughs> so I, I, we're sitting up there and listening to worship music, and I get a call, and it's Vans on Jenna's birthday as we're on top of the world in Laguna, like our favorite place in the world. And tomorrow, I start my position at Vans. So, 
it's amazing that God has moved and answered so many prayers, like, since we've been here, not only, like, pulling me out of the miry clay where I was. I mean, he gave me this peace that passes understanding, like, beyond what I understand of, of the problems in this world, you know? Like, my brain so works in trying to make things equated and, and you know what I mean? Like, try to figure out the justice behind everything. And, like, this world is filled with chaos. And, and sometimes it's hard to reconcile that chaos with a just God. But he is above all of it. And all the things that you could be going through, like, they're for greater purposes than you even know. And I just encourage you guys to have that patience and, and steadfastness in the Lord. And don't make the same mistakes I did. Like, if you have questions that are inside that are hard to answer, talk about them so that you don't end up in a place like me. Because when I had forsaken God and was in that place and we lived in Minnesota, it was, like, not only physically dreary, but, like, it was just spiritually dreary. And, like, the the... Jesus is the only satisfier. He's the only person that's really going to give you contentment and fulfillment in your life. Like everything else, your job and career and money and all that stuff, status, whatever it could be, like it could never satisfy. Yeah, so thank you guys. (laughs) Sorry I sweated. (laughs) I love it. Um, Okay, so just lastly, as we um, just kind of wrap up before the worship band comes up and we take communion together, I would like to invite my friend Noemi to come up and share with us. Um, I'll tell you more about her after she finishes, but she's just going to share. Okay. Yeah, we can. Yes. Okay, we can. Hi. Um, it's so good to be with you guys here this morning. Um, I just, I would like to say first off that um, I'm grateful for Chris. Um, I've yet to meet your pastor, but she's pretty amazing, so he must be pretty awesome as well. Um, and she's come into my life in a very uh, timely season, and so it's been good for my soul. But I'll read with you the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. Um, have you ever um, worked and tried really hard to be happy and not been happy still? Like, put all your effort at feeling happy about life and still not feeling satisfied. Well, I went through something similar uh, last year where I was working really hard, and I have multiple jobs, and I was working and working and working, and last year I turned 40. I'm 41 now, but um, last year when I turned 40, uh, I had babies young in my early 20s, so all my friends did all of their awesome traveling in like the 20s, right? And so when I was in my 20s, I was changing diapers and wiping drool off of everything. So I didn't get to do all of that after college. And so I always dreamt someday I'm gonna go to Europe, someday I'm gonna go to Italy. So for my 40th birthday, my husband was like, hey, let's go, we're gonna make it happen, we're gonna sacrifice, we're gonna do whatever we have to do, we're gonna go, Uh, I'm gonna take you to Italy. So I was in the grind and taking on all of this work because I wanted to get to Italy. Now, I'll have you know, I watched everything you could imagine on Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon that had to do with Italy because I wanted to arrive and experience the things I had seen. The foods, the spaces, and the places, like, I knew all of it. And so uh, any free time I had, I was like, 
Netflix, Hulu, um, Amazon, tell me about where I'm going because I can't wait to be there and I want to learn all the history and I'm a nerd that way. So um, we finally got to Italy and um, I remember I have this memory where I was in Tuscany and we stayed at this beautiful, what they called agriculturas, which basically is like um, kind of like a home in the middle of the vineyards and they have like a chef there that makes breakfast for you. It's really cool. And so I was like, yes, like I have arrived. I am here, I'm so happy. And um, I remember getting up in the morning. My husband is a night owl, I'm an early bird. So that works great for our marriage, right? Not really. <laughs> um, so he stayed asleep and I got up before the sun even rose. So I went outside and I was walking outside and looking at you know, what looked like we're, we're going to be mountains when the mountains and hills of vineyards. And I had this horrible angst inside of me. Like, I was like, God, I'm grateful that I'm here, but I'm just like, I feel angst. I don't feel happy. It's not what I, I don't feel internally what I had dreamt it would feel like after watching everything that I had watched. And, um, I kept on saying, and as I was standing there, and I'm watching the sunrise, and I'm like, Lord, this is beautiful, but there's this deep sense of dissatisfaction in me. Like, I am not satisfied. I'm not happy. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like, man, this is what I wanted. And I clearly heard the voice of the Holy Spirit tell me, um, and he said to me, Noemi, what you are looking for um, across the ocean and in the continent was actually available to you in your living room. Um, the satisfaction, the fulfillment of life. And I think in a world where we are so bombarded with social media and everything that we see and everything that we view, we don't want to have the fear of missing out, you know, that horrible hashtag FOMO. We don't want to live that way, but because we see the way other people live, it begins to affect how we view our own lives at time. And, um, we begin to think that life experience is fully lived when you are in a place, um, when you are experiencing a beautiful dish. For me, it would be some great enchiladas or a burrito. Hello. Um, whatever it is for you, like you think, that is when I'll be happy when I get there this weekend. And I think in the culture that we live in, in America, it's like work, work, work because the weekend's coming and you get to go to Vegas. Work, 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 because you get to go to Palm Springs, or work, 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 get away. Work really hard, because when you work, and it's never a culture that says, where you are, you can find rest for your soul. Where you are, you can be satisfied. Where you are, you can be fulfilled. And, and so when I read this scripture, I don't want to learn what the new thing is. I want to know what the ancient path is, because I want to find rest for my soul. And, and I know that ultimately it's the presence of God that provides the rest for my soul. Ultimately, it's the presence of Jesus where I am most satisfied with my life, that it's not all the things I can acquire, um, all the things that I can have. And so nobody can do that for me. I have to do it for myself. Um, living my best life, nobody can do for me. I have to be willing to work at it myself. And so I love the scripture in 2 Timothy 1.6. It says, For this reason I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's saying, Fan the flame in your heart. And I think in the culture that we live in, we want church or church people to be the ones that fan the flame in our heart. 
We want to go to church and want people to convince us that he is worthy to be praised. We want people to convince us that he is worthy of our walk with him. We want people to convince us that Jesus is good. And Paul writes to Timothy and he says, fan your own flame. Like fan your own flame. Remind yourself how good he's been, how amazing his presence is, how much better it is than anything you could live out or produce for yourself. Our joy is not destination-based or experience-based. Our joy is Jesus-based, the presence of the living God in our lives. My mentor once said that, um, her name is Alicia, and she said to me, you know, sometimes what we do in our lives is that we dance with God and we continuously look over his shoulder trying to find a better experience, and yet Jesus is saying, I'm here and I'm dancing with you. Like, I am the creator of the heavens and the earth, and I am here with you. Like, we need to tell ourselves, I'm not going to look over God's shoulder to see what's the next best thing when I have the best thing with me. And so, guess what? I got to go back to Italy eight months after again, which is crazy, right? I've never gone, and then I go twice in a year because my niece got engaged, and so um, I had to be there. And <laughs> I told my husband, hey, we're going to make this happen. Um, but I think that for me, it's important that I model this not only for myself, but for my sons. I've got two teenage boys that they would see that, um, my life's joy is not about what I get to have, our home, what I wear, where we go out to eat, because they're all about food, um, where we get to vacation, but more so that my life is a haven for where the presence of God abides me. Not just my home, because my home would feel like hell sometimes, hello. But my life, he abides, he is present, he satisfies, he fulfills, he's everything I need. And so I want to close with the scripture in Psalm 145, 4. It says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Um, let our lives tell the story of God's goodness, his faithfulness, his presence, that changes the atmosphere of how we live and what we experience. So thank you all. Thank you so much for that. God is so good. What I didn't tell you guys is that Noemi and her husband pastor, I don't know, like 14 churches in Long Beach or something crazy. And I love that this morning she called and just said, hey, can I just come and just hang out? And um, I that that is what I love about who we are and where we are. And I don't say anything about that anywhere else, but to us, like the fact that we are just completely stripped down, there's no curtains to hide where we are, there's, there's nothing fancy about us at all, but that um, when people just need a little touch of Jesus and they just want to kind of come and slip away here, and then how funny that the Holy Spirit would have you work this morning. So sorry about that, but I thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, thank y'all so much. What a fun morning to just hear everybody's stories. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.